You are now listening to the Way to Go Youth Podcast with Pastor Jerome Baker. This podcast is an outreach of a place of refuge church located in Carrollton, Georgia, where the pastor is Bishop Barry Walker. Our vision is to help youth and young adults to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's word. Now, let's receive Pastor Baker with today's message. You are listening to The Way to Go. The author of our verse is Jeremiah. Three noteworthy truths that are important to young adults and young people on this morning. Number one, Jeremiah, according to Jeremiah 1 and 1, was the son of a priest or we would say he was a preacher's kid. Jeremiah was born to a priest, and in our day and time, we would consider him to be a preacher's kid. Now, when you read about the life of Jeremiah, you'll find out that he was a good preacher's kid. So when you hear people say that all preachers' kids are bad, that's not true. Some, but not, but not all. Tell somebody, say, all preachers' kids say are not bad. That's right. Number two, Jeremiah was chosen by God to be used as a prophet to the nations. A prophet, young people, is a man that God chooses to speak the mind and the will of God for the near future and the distant future. A prophet is a man chosen by God to do such. We would call a woman a prophetess. What I like about Jeremiah is that eventually when the Lord chose him to use him in a specific way, initially Jeremiah had a problem with it. Just like some young people in our day and time when God deals with you about how he wants to use you, some young people have a problem with it. They don't want to make the necessary adjustments. They come up with excuses. Jeremiah even told God, he said, look, I I can't do what you're asking me to do. I'm too young. And the Lord had to tell him, look, quit saying you are too young. Just do what I tell you to do. And eventually, Jeremiah submitted to the will of God. And that's what you want. When God starts dealing with you on how he wants to use you, submit, humble yourself, and let God get the glory in your your life. You don't want to come before God and he doesn't deem you a faithful servant because you did not allow him to use what he put in you. 
Remember, Jeremiah, when God deals with you about praying for someone, getting involved in ministry, being a witness, just humble yourself and just let God use you. Now, because God used Jeremiah and the assignment that he had for him, it came with challenges. And we need to understand that, young people. Whenever God chooses to use you, how he see fits, you're going to have some, some challenges. Sometimes the road is not going to be a road of ease. You may be tired. You may get frustrated. You may not like the assignment. But when you consider Jeremiah's name, it's important to remember that through it all, God will be with you and help you. Jeremiah's name means Yahweh lifts up. Every time Jeremiah got in trouble because God gave him a hard word to give people, God brought him out. Which is a great lesson for us, young people. You got to understand, when, when you get involved in ministry, when you allow the Lord to use you, you're going to suffer some affliction. But the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord will deliver them out of them, out of them all. Suffering is a part of allowing God to use you. But the Bible teaches if we suffer with him, I thought y'all were going to get happy. We will also reign with him. Suffering's not the only thing we're going to experience. If we allow God to use us, there's some blessings that's going to come with that. God will mightily use you, but it's going to require suffering. And then in due time, if we endure the suffering, he's going to cause us to reign or to be blessed. And, and how many of us have got to the point to where we understand the blessing of the Lord that's what makes us rich. Am I right about it? So Jeremiah was an awesome young man who God began to use in his youth. In our text in Jeremiah 17 and 23, actually a little prior to that, we see that the Lord commanded Jeremiah to go to a certain place, to speak to a certain people, and to declare a certain word. Our God, young people, is very specific. He told Jeremiah, look, I want you to go to this particular gate. I want you to cry out to these particular people, and I want you to give this message. Our God is a God of order. There's no confusion in him. And see, when God begins to use you, you're going to know. You ain't going to have to guess. You ain't going to have to wonder. You're going to know. Man, God is really impressing upon me to do this right here. It's going to be clear. Why is it going to be clear? Because his sheep, young people, know his voice, and a stranger they will not follow. Let's take a quick poll. How many in here God has ever dealt with you about praying for a particular person or praying at a particular time. 
God will deal with you. I want you to put this amount on the altar. He'll tell you, shut up. Don't say nothing. God is very specific. And remember, when he is doing such, it's just the scripture being fulfilled in our life. He said the spirit of God would guide us into all truth. He's going to tell you. He's going to deal with you, not just about church things either. God will tell you, young people, look, every time you get your paycheck, I want you to bring me this much, and I want you to save this much, and I want you to give yourself this much. He will guide you into all, all truth. He'll talk to you about your peers. You need to stop hanging around such and such. And he'll be specific. And you'll get around that person and you'll be feeling some kind of way. That ain't nothing but the Holy Spirit dealing with, with you. And so the Lord was dealing with Jeremiah and he told him what to do, where to go, and who to talk to. And this is important. Remember, Jeremiah is a prophet. Because whenever God gives a prophet a word for God's people, if we believe the prophet, we're going to prosper. I said if we believe the prophet, we're going to prosper. That's what 2 Chronicles 20 and 20 says. Believe his prophets in part, so shall you prosper. Let's take another poll. How many have ever taken heed to what God has given his prophet and it blessed your life? By a show of hands. Yeah. God cannot lie. He does not change. If we heed what his men of God and women of God decree to us and we do it, we're going to prosper. But that was not the case in the text. The people in the text did not believe the man of God. I said the people in the text did not believe the man of God. And because there's nothing new under the sun, you still have young people and grown folk that choose not to believe God's prophets. Let's look at the verse. Y'all still with me? Look at this, Jeremiah 17, 23. First it says, but they did not obey. They did not pay attention to what was being said, and they sure enough didn't put it into action. Sent the prophet to a certain place, gave him a message, but they did not pay attention, and they did not do it. Could you imagine the Lord sending you to church every Sunday, giving the preacher a word for you, but you choose not to pay attention, and you leave not putting it in the action? Then it says they did not incline their ear. In one sense, this means they didn't even show any interest. They did not care. They did not show interest. 
Could you imagine some young people coming to God's house, sleep, playing on the phone, talking to their friends, running to the gym, dozing off, not showing any interest. Preachers say, follow me to Luke 17. They don't even follow. No interest. Don't even, don't even care. And then it says they made their neck stiff not to hear instruction. They refused to change. They came in one way and left the exact same way. No change. No effort to make a change. Here just to be here, but not to change. The only one that who does not need to change is God. Right? God does not change. But guess who needs to change? We do. We need to change how we think. Change how we talk. Change how we behave. Would y'all agree? Yeah. Paul said it like this. We got to be trans, transformed. And see, when that word comes forth, the Bible says that the word is able to convert your life or change your life. But it's your and my choice. Instruction in the verse, young people, has to do with being corrected. God used Jeremiah to show up to correct these folk. Let these folk know they needed to change. They needed to repent. They needed to turn from sin and start doing according to the will of God. Just like some of us in here, if you're not born again, it's time for you to change. It's time for you to repent because the wages of sin is death. And, and you don't want to experience death or ruin, let alone eternal death. Am I right about it? Yeah. It's time for some change. It, it, it's time if you're the type of person that come in God's house and refuse to give God praise, it's time to change. It's time to go from mouse quiet to making a joyful noise. It's time from being stick, stiff to start putting them hands together and giving God some praise. It's time to go from looking around to spectating to participating. Look at somebody say, it's time to change. Yeah, it, it may be early in the morning, but change is in order. And so Jeremiah showed up to correct. He showed up to correct folk that still give a dollar but can give five or more. Look at somebody say, it's time to change. That's what instruction in the verse meant. Correction. He was calling for change. Transformation. Look, you need to reform. You need to make a shift from going in one direction to another direction. That's what change is. And, and, and it's just time for that to sink in. It's time to change for the better. Look in your life and say, man, where in the world do I need to do better? Where in the world do my attitude need to get 
better. Do my giving need to get better. Jeremiah showed up. He wasn't playing. But he had an audience that was hard-headed. I mean, he was preaching that word, but, but who he was talking to was just straight hard-headed. There are a number of meanings and definitions for hard-headed, but two on this morning. When a person is hard-headed, number one, it says they are rejecting what is best. They know it's good for them, but they don't want it. They're rejecting it. You know you need to be eating them vegetables, eating them greens, beans, tomatoes, tomatoes. You need to be eating that. That's good for you. But when you're hard-headed, you won't do what's, what's best. And you got some trendsetters like that. God been dealing with them about changing in some, in some areas, but, but they just acting hard-headed. Hard-headed. You know, my daddy used to tell me, a hard head. I can't find no scripture for it, but he used to tell me, a hard head make a... Oh, y'all done heard that before. <laughs> and man, daddy used to bring me. He said, since you don't want to listen, he had two belts. He had a black belt and a red belt. No, the black belt was thick. And the red belt was thin and thick. And, and, and he would just switch watch and use both of them to tear my hard-headed tail up. Till eventually I started doing what I needed to do. And how many know God the same way? He said, I bring that rod so I can drive that foolishness out of your heart. God will give you a word to help get you right. God will deal with you while you're sleeping. God will deal with you while you're driving. And you be sitting up there saying to yourself, I know I need to stop. I know this ain't right. That's God dealing with you saying, look, my will is what's best. My will is what will prosper you. If you do what I'm telling you to do, you'll have some peace. You'll have some strength. You'll have, some, you'll have whatever it is that's best for you. You don't need to reject what's best. Correction or a hard-headed person, they reject correction. If your wife is right, she just, she just right. If your husband is right, he just, he just right. Don't reject what's, what's best. Tell somebody, don't reject what's best. And how many know God's will is best for us? God's word is, is best for us. Number two, a hard-headed person is someone that's unwilling to improve. Unwilling. Your room would look better if you kept it clean. But you just unwilling to clean your own room. You more willing to sleep with nasty drawers, plates, pickle juice, and all of that in your room instead of cleaning up. That's one thing I did not like about being in college because you don't know what kind of roommate you're going to get. And sometimes in college you get a nasty roommate that's hard-headed. They unwilling to change. Unwilling, young people. You have to ask yourself, am I hard-headed? Am I hard-headed? 
matter of fact, just ask yourself, say, self, am I hard-headed? Unwilling to change? Know you should bring a Bible, but unwilling to bring a Bible? Know you shouldn't be flirtatious, but unwilling to change? This is a good place to ask y'all. Y'all still love the pastor? <laughs> unwilling. You know, it's some wives, they just unwilling to change. They just stuck in something, but they stuck. <laughs> they stuck. And just bring frustration to their husband. It's some kids, they unwilling to change. Their parents just scratch their head and pray for them the most. Out of all the children, they pray for that one the most because they just unwilling to change. Unwilling. Let me show y'all what the Bible says about being corrected. Let's go to Revelation. Y'all come on. Y'all still with me? All right. Y'all willing to go to Revelation? Okay. Y'all willing to read out loud? Okay. Let's see who, who hard-headed. Y'all willing to read out loud? Okay. Revelation 319. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Look at this. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Rebuke and chasten are forms of correction. God demonstrates his love through correction. But when we hard-headed, we basically saying we don't want that love. We don't want that. And we've already concluded that God's way is the best way. Right? But God demonstrates his love with correction. Let's read that together. On three. Three. As many as I, I do what? Rebuke and... Chasing. Therefore, be zealous, be quick, and repent. So when God brings forth corrective instruction, don't get in your feelings. Just go ahead and repent. You right. I'm sorry. I'm turning. I'm going to do better. Can't get too much help this morning. Let's go to 2 Timothy 3.16. Is the Bible right? All right. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What I want you to see here is when God corrects us with his word, it's beneficial. When that word step on our toes, it's, it's there to help us. It's there to profit us. It's there to make you a better praise leader. It's there to make you a better young woman, 
Better to make you a there to make you a better young young man. Tell somebody God's word is profitable. Yeah. How many can be honest when you get corrected by God directly or indirectly? Do you get in your feelings? Let's just be honest. By short, do you take it personal sometimes? Do you get in your feelings when you get called out? Look, that's just a part of life. When you get called out by a preacher, by a parent, by a good friend, or whomever God decides to use, don't let your feelings run you. Especially when the instruction or the correction lines up with God's, God's word. Am I right about it? So in my clothes, I want to show us why we don't need to be instructed and hard-headed. Why you don't need to hear instructions and then be hard-headed. Let's start in Proverbs. Proverbs 15. Y'all ready for some solutions? All right, Proverbs 15. Or maybe I need to ask, who has ever been hard-headed this year? Okay. So let me ask again. Y'all ready for some solutions? All right. Proverbs 15, 32. Reasons not to be hard-headed or instructed and hard-headed. Proverbs 15, 32. He who disdains or hates instruction... Or disdain means rejects instruction, despises or hates his own soul. Remember, it's a proverb, hates his own life. So when a person is hard-headed to correction or instruction, they reject it, don't want to improve, don't want to do better, don't want to hear it, don't want to obey it. The verse said, you hate yourself. You hate your own life. You hate what you should value. How many know you need to value your life? You need to value your, yourself. But when you and I are corrected and we reject it or we hate it, you're basically saying, I, I don't love me. I don't love me. When you should value your parents and that relationship and they correct you and you smack your teeth, you become disrespectful, rebellious. You know what you're basically saying? Well, I don't value you as my parent. There are certain people you should allow to correct you and have no problem with it. It's just certain people you should allow the authority to correct you because you know they have your best interests at heart. You should know me as pastor. You should know me, right? You should know your parents. You should know some of these ministers. And there are other people God has placed in your life. You need to know them. And when they correct you, you need to know, man, they, they value my life. But sometimes you can be guilty or people can be guilty of having a problem with who correct them and loving who flatter them. No. 
if you really, if I really love my wife, value this marriage that we in, I'm not going to despise her when she correct me because I value the marriage, right? If you value God's house, if I correct you on how you emcee, pray, or your lifestyle, don't take that personal. You should know, man, pastor really values me. He values me enough to say I was wrong. He saw me at the mall doing something I shouldn't do, but he pulled me aside or he checked me in front of my friends to let me know I knew better. No, I shouldn't hate that. Man, he, he really looking out for me. Man, my mama used to show up at school unannounced. She just show up in one of my classes and just walk around and I'd be like, oh God, I wish she would just go home. She embarrassing me. But when I got old, I said, man, I really should have valued that. Had a parent that was looking out for my best interest and making sure I wasn't messing myself up. And so young people, we don't need to be hard-headed because it say that you don't value yourself or what you should value in life. How many see it in the verse? Yeah. Proverbs 12. Why are you going to Proverbs 12? How many love you? How many love you? I love me. I love me. Proverbs 12 and 1. So I have to make sure when God corrects me directly or indirectly, I don't think of myself more highly than I ought to. And just say, hey, if I'm wrong, I'm just wrong. Proverbs 12 and 1. Whoever loves instruction loves knowledge. But he or she who hates correction is stupid. Whoever hates correction is stupid. Is this Bible? Tired of you telling me such and such. I wish you would just shut up. What does that say about that person? They just, you trying to show them what's best. You trying to help them improve. And they hate that. The verse calls that person what? Stupid. Y'all act like y'all scared to say that word. It's in the Bible. The verse calls that person <laughs> A stupid person. Then you got to sit there and listen to that person say, well, I told you. I told you what was going to happen. But you was just filling the blank. That's it. A person is stupid. One of the meanings is that their mind is darkened. They're not Thinking the way they should. They're not perceiving or discerning what's correct, what's truth, 
their mind is darkened. You know how a girl tell their mom, mama, I mean, come on, let me live my life. Let, you know, <laughs> you owe. The mind is darkened. Like guys are new now. Ain't nothing new. No, ain't nothing new. And you just sometimes you just have to say, girl, I love you, but you acting real stupid. Woo, look how y'all looking this morning. Then you have to sometimes be careful how you phrase it. You just have to say, you know, that's if you do that, that's just, that's stupid. I told a person that about two weeks ago that's been saved for years. They were telling me, well, I was just going to do such and such and do such and such. I said, well, if you did that and died, you know you were going to hell, right? Yeah. And I said, now, you know I love you, right? This is what I told the person. I said, you know I love you, right? I said, but that was just stupid. And guess what? They, uh, they agreed. I said, that was just stupid. I love you, though. But you don't do that. You know better than that. You've been saved too long. You've been taught. Just give God thanks that it didn't happen and you didn't lift your eyes in hell. But I do want you to know that was, that was stupid. Your mind was darkened. That's why correction is so good, young people. I said, that's why correction is so, it's so good. It'll cause you to think and perceive what's true. Look at somebody on your row and say, this week, don't be stupid. That's it. Don't hate correction. Don't hate correction. Can't get too much help early this morning, but look at somebody else and say, don't hate correction. Yeah. When you get corrected about how you dress, don't be stupid because you're going to get treated like how you dress. That's what the Bible says, young folk. You get treated based upon your appearance in this world. That's just what the Bible teaches. Man judges by the appearance. That's what the Bible teaches. And so if you look a certain way, you're going to get treated by some people a certain way. So when mama is correcting you or somebody is correcting you about how you carry yourself, receive that correction. Girl, you saved. You know you don't need to be doing that right there. Receive that. You're supposed to be a young woman of God. A young woman of God. Young man of God. Brother, please pull them pants up. Man, come on, man. Come on. No. Don't be stupid. Let's be who God has called you to be. Last verse. Let me hurry along. Proverbs 10. Now, I got to tell y'all why y'all go to Proverbs 10. I have been stupid before. 
No, it wasn't. No. It's just true, but I've been stupid before. Y'all ever seen somebody out just behaving in a way they, you'd be like, I know they got some home training. Okay, Proverbs 10, 17. He who keeps life or he who keeps instruction is in the way of life. But he who refuses correction, what happens? They go astray. See, whenever a person does not receive instruction in the form of correction, especially when it's tied to God, they're going astray. They're going to be seduced out of the will of God. And you know what the Bible says? In the last day, many will give heed to seducing or deceiving spirits. You try to correct folk in the last days, folk ain't going to want to hear it. They're going to be hard-headed folk in the last day. You try to tell them Jesus is the way, they don't want to hear it. Out the will of God. You try to tell them, yeah, you messed up, but just stay in God's will. I, I can't, I, I hard-headed. I sincerely believe the will of God is where we need to be. I said it earlier, God's way is the, it's the best way. How many would agree? And so when instruction and correction come, young people, we don't need to be hard-headed. And with that being said, I'm going to stop. Let's give God a hand clap for the lesson on this morning.